Why is why is the American military shooting something out of the sky over Canada? Because it's part of a NORAD. There is a, the NORAD is part of like a it, part of a it's a it's a what you call a coalition, a consortium, a, 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 so, a pact, okay. exactly. And so that's why we were able to do that. Again, we didn't do it on our own. We did right. it in in uh, in uh, clearly in in in, in, in step with uh, right. Canada. Uh, uh, Democrats were shuddering privately just right. a few days ago about how big the margin was going to be. Republicans were predicting a red wave, but they may end up with the same slim majority Democrats have had for the last two years. We are going to take the House back. But we've got so much more to do, and I have only begun to fight. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve Welcome back to a big Tuesday episode of the Ruthless Variety Program. Uh, Johnny, who was it that we just heard from? That was Corinne Jean-Pierre, once again (laughs) making our nation proud. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, my God. So she's the spokesperson for the White House. They put her on Jonathan Capehart's show on MSNBC. Tough interview. I'll be frank, I didn't know he had one. Never heard of the guy, I'll be honest. I I don't know what those numbers are. They've got to be. They're not good. They've got to be anemic. (laughs) I I think his are actually the worst. Uh, on the entire network, which has historically the worst ratings oh, of all time. Imagine that distinction. I think so. Imagine having that. So anyway, you can't get any answers out of the administration whatsoever. So what else do you do but find the lowest rated television station and the lowest vis- rated show on that television and uh, and then put Karine Jean-Pierre on to just describe, <laughs> as she says, that we're in a club. Uh, with Canada, and you the, mean uh, Canada, Canada, yeah, Canada. I, I also appreciate that Capehart had to basically save her ass <laughs> as she was mumbling and stumbling around <laughs> the word consortium. NORAD is not a particularly difficult concept. By it's, the way. It, there's only two nations in it. <laughs> it's literally the smallest consortium you can have. <laughs> it's not a difficult. It's uh, the North American defense, yeah. air defense, and so there it is. And she doesn't know what it is, but you know, have her talk about it with authority anyway, right? Yeah. <laughs> So we got a lot on that. I have a feeling that that's going to take up the bulk of the show with the balloons all over your place. But um, but we also have Tommy Schultz from the American Federation for Children. You recall we did a, a big, long sort of deep dive episode with he and his colleague a couple of years ago when we were looking at the issue of school choice. And at that point, it had just sort of risen to the attention of conservatives nationwide, not that people uh, weren't in favor of school choice, but coming out of COVID, we obviously had a lot more momentum to try to change our school systems than we had before. And it was his job to try to capitalize upon that and uh, and get some attention. Well, lo and behold, he's done it. Um, they've done a lot of terrific work. And as you heard from uh, Governor Reynolds a few weeks ago, there's all kinds of state action happening on this and, and they're really pushing school choice forward. Now, the Minions were, were clamoring for an update on this. Yeah. I mean, the, it is probably the most important issue that we have right now. Um, what is happening in schools across the country, like even in places you would not expect, in red states, what's going on in terms of the school boards, the teachers, the administrators, the kind of garbage that they're trying to teach kids and indoctrinate them with is, I mean, it's probably the biggest fight we have going right it's, now. It's not just garbage either. In some of these school districts, these kids are learning nothing. Mm-hmm. There was a story out of Baltimore mm-hmm. last week that in Baltimore there are 23 schools with zero students proficient in math. What? 
Zero. How do you... 20 more schools only have one or two students who tested at grade level. Oh, man. I mean, what a nightmare. Well, Tommy's got the answer for that with his school choice that they're pushing across this country and helping governors and state legislatures get that done. They've been doing some terrific work, and I I can't wait for you to hear that interview. Um, I guess where we need to start is as we're taping this, we're taping it on the one uh day what we all agreed on should be a holiday yeah is the day after the super bowl i mean it makes sense it only makes sense it really does i mean we have so many holidays that make absolutely no sense you know like columbus day always sneaks up on you you're like what the hell are we what is this this is a day off like this should be a day off yeah yeah unquestionably we have arbor day in this country (laughs) they literally got to repeal they celebrate trees more than they celebrate football (laughs) i mean it's a crime against humanity it's a crime against humanity well they're not feeling very festive in philadelphia this morning no 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 and it's a touch of a sore subject for me at home as my wife grew up in philadelphia is a big eagles fan as is her whole family uh she's been trying to indoctrinate my children and after the game is did you say like boys this is why we don't like the eagles I you know I didn't I didn't actually stamp it in but I mean look it was a small victory yeah, it was a simple. small victory because you know my my oldest kid is now watches the game like closely and I fear that had they won he would forever be an Eagles fan and there's nothing I could do about yeah, it. yeah fandom locked in yeah yeah so now I still have a fighting shot my my younger one I think is a Vikes fan through and through and I don't think she can. When she was saying, like, a big game, you know, she's hyping it up and for the boys, and it, William's very excited about it. And Hunter was like, uh, oh, the Vikings are playing? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, fuck yes. Yeah, That's exactly what you need to hear. Uh, so anyway, but you guys have a good one? Excellent. Yeah. Outstanding. It was, I mean, it was a really good game. It was. Really good game. It was a great game, ended on a controversial call. You hate to see it. Yep. Yeah. But I mean... Great football. It was just an outstanding performance from both quarterbacks. Jalen Hurts did not get the MVP recognition this year, but I got a feeling he's he might get it in, in one of the years to come. Yeah, I mean, he's, he did a spectacular performance. The other thing I loved about uh, the timing of this week, so so the Phoenix Open, I'm a you know, golf fan. Uh, that's one of the greatest events in all of sports, is it not? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like the only PGA Tour event that's sort of like the Ryder Cup. Yeah. You know, where the crowds get really, really into it. Yeah. And I mean, the 16th is legendary. Yeah. So, I mean, this is where I went to school at Arizona State, and we would go out for this every year. And it, now you see it, it's it's like huge stadium seating with stands and corporate suites and all that stuff. And they put, you know, 100,000 people plus around this hole, and it's loud as hell. When I was in college, it was just a natural bowl. And everyone there was as drunk as you could possibly <laughs> imagine people to be. And it, I think that's what kind of created the ambiance because there was no chance you could ever get anybody to quiet down. You know, they hold the quiet signs up. Yeah. People just blow right through that. And so it ended up with with golfers themselves sort of encouraging the noise. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of one stop on tour where it really is like a football game. And now they've just embraced it and created a whole event. I think there was something like 500,000 people that were, that were there on Saturday. Yeah, it's incredible. I did it once. 
long time ago for a bachelor party. Oh, that's a good bachelor party. Uh, where we did the, I don't know if it was 5 a.m. or 6 a.m., wherever they opened the main gate. Oh, you ran for the seats? Yeah, so you so from the main gates, when they open them first thing in the morning, you basically have to sprint all the way to the 16th hole. It's like almost like a mile that you know, is away. And what's, I mean, it's funny because you see people who get a little too ambitious. Yeah. You know, they start they, off hot. They start off super hot and they fade. Or some guy like blows out a flip flop. He didn't <laughs> he didn't pick the right footwear. Uh, people spraining ankles here and there. Well, you'd know a little something about I that. No, I would know. I mean, it wouldn't be a high ankle sprain. Excuse me, fake high ankle sprain like Patrick <laughs> Mahomes. But nobody knows ankles like Michael. <laughs> I'm an expert. Um, <laughs> but then, yeah, you get there in the stands at 5, 6 a.m., whatever. And then you basically got to like sit there and wait for like three or four hours for golf to start. Yeah, you just hold it down. So they're like throwing breakfast burritos into the crowd and stuff. Man. I mean, it's, it is, it's incredible. What an experience. But I mean, in terms of sports timing, the thing goes and it ends at six. And then you got 30 minutes until the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, really a nice lineup last weekend. Yeah. A real nice lineup. So anyway, while all that was going on, we were having balloons shot out of this guy. Uh, and we had... You know, all kinds of things to focus on. But I, I, myself, I, no matter if I'm having a party or not, I need to cook something. Like, it's mm-hmm. just part of the Super Bowl deal, right? You got to make some good apps and whatnot. Yeah. What, what, did, you, what did you do, Doug? Nothing. You did I did nothing. nothing. No. God, so, that's humiliating. I know. Joey was sick again this weekend. Uh, things were a little touch and go. I didn't know what I, what I was going to be doing for the Super Bowl. Uh, I door dashed some wings from the ghost kitchen, and they were terrible. I was so disappointed. <laughs> I was so disappointed. <laughs> what well, brings up a good, I mean, I'm assuming like a traditional wing. A traditional wing. Yeah. Uh, I don't, you know, really do the whole boneless thing. But these were the worst. It was like they boiled them. They were terrible. Oh, oh, my oh. God. I, I had the exact terrible. opposite experience where I found this place I'd never heard of uh, on DoorDash, and it was this insanely good barbecue. Just, like, really? stunningly good. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll share the place with you guys after the show. I was stunned. Like, it showed up, and everyone at the party who had it was just like, where the hell is this from? And I'm not going to tell anybody where it's from because then they're going to get swarmed and then you have to wait an hour. Yeah, you don't want to do, you don't want to do this that. This place got it in 20 minutes. Really? Yeah, they were ready to go. See, that's a good secret. You're going to have to yeah. pass that along. How about you, Smash? You know, we didn't do anything big this year. It was a little bit of a letdown uh, after the Bengals didn't make it. We just ordered carryout from our favorite local place, Dominion Wine and Beer. Jeez, guys. Mm. What about you? Yeah, well, I made I made I made my wife some Philly cheesesteaks. Oh, best that's, as that's I, thoughtful. As best as that I could. That is thoughtful. That's, that is, that's a nice gift. Yeah, well, I, I've never tried to make them before, and so I, you know, I tried to like authentically prepare them. Uh, it took a lot of work, but I mean, it's How'd not terribly turn? complicated. But it's just you know, you got to slice these ribeyes into these tiny little things, and I, you know, it was good. It was pretty good. You throw some cheese whiz in there. Or are you a purist? No, well, so I, if I would have had Wiz, I would have done it. I just didn't have Wiz. So you yeah. go provolone and American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a, a, a substitute. Got it. But I mean, it was good. It was good. She seemed to like it. I was a hat tip to her fanship without having to put any green on. Thoughtful. That, that's basically. a good husband. Right? Well, that's better than wearing green. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. So, but according to the Associated Press, uh, with the Super Bowl at hand, behold the cheerful untruth that has been perpetrated upon, and generally with the blessing of, the chicken-consuming citizens of the United States on menus across the land. A boneless wing that isn't a wing at all. 
uh, this weekend, according to the National Chicken Council. Which, you know, I mean, look, this is another one of those powerful yeah, trade associations. Huge, right? Big chicken. Big chicken. Big chicken says Americans are set to eat 1.45 billion chicken wings. My God. That's insane. That's amazing. That's yeah. wild. So if you ever wanted a deep dive into what it means to eat wings that aren't and how the chicken wings proximity to beer and good times and football are sent soaring, now is the time. Uh, today's food landscape is brim- brimming with these Gentile imposters i so so what are they telling me that it's just not chicken or it's not a chicken wing yeah so so it's not so what this article says is i i, I kind of knew this they're like boneless so-called boneless wings don't come from the wing at all yeah i mean, yeah, I, mean I, I i assume it's just white rib meat or or breast meat right and they just package it as a wing <clears throat> Well, they like bread it and fry it, and yeah, I mean it's basically a chicken nugget. Let's not call these wings; it's not a wing. It's it a is, nugget. It's a chicken nugget. That is. It's what a it chicken is. nugget, which is fine if you like that sort of thing, but it's not authentic. Do you remember when we were still sort of pandemicing? Yeah, and we went uh, smash. You, you, I don't know if you made it to this, but Duncan and I were went to a bar. Yeah. in Northern Virginia to get some wings, and they were like, "Ah, yeah, we have uh, thighs." Turkey, yeah, with chicken thighs. Chicken thighs. Yeah, I remember that. They were out, out, of, out of the wings. Wings, big wing shortage. Big wing shortage. And so we ate them, and they were fucking terrible. Yeah. Do you remember that? It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. Well, I mean, part about eating a, a real authentic chicken wing is there's a ritual to it. Everyone has a process. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You know, whether you got a flat or you got the drumstick itself. Personally, I'm a drumstick guy. I know a lot of people prefer the flats. But, you know, what I like about a authentic buffalo wing is when you got that uh the drumstick there's almost like a filet mignon uh-huh. part of it sure that you can sort of butterfly out there yeah and eat by itself yeah it's the best meat on the entire wing yeah you don't get that when you get your you know frying a chicken nugget and calling it a boneless wings <laughs> or a thigh for crying or a thigh out. i so, mean the indignity <laughs> one of one of my like best memories from college is there was this sports bar called jack's right and it was a hundred percent I mean, they had a horrible business model. They're like, if you're some like poor college student, this is the place for you. And on Wednesday nights, I mean, this is why they went off business in like six months. On Wednesday nights, they had wings for a nickel and pitchers for five bucks. Oh yeah, right? dude. And 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 every table would have one of those like giant like trash containers next to it. Yes, right? <laughs> you just throw the bones and, in. And we, you know, if you got a bunch of guys, you order like a hundred wings, right? Like big deal. Yeah. You know, if you split that between five six guys, great deal. Yep pitchers of beer and i mean like you said it's the ritual like you know you're seeing dumpsters full of bones <laughs> you're crushing for a nickel yeah you know no Good so they, they had a place in town here i don't even know back in the day sign of the whale in dc i had a bunch of buddies that we would go do that it was like 10 cent wing or whatever mm-hmm. but you'd try you get like 50 wings but they also had like a hot wing thing and you'd mow down like 50 of these hot wings. Let me just tell you, the next day was not a pleasant experience. They did something like that, I think, at Buffalo Billiards, too. Did where you, you could like um, re- reserve a whole um, uh, uh, billiards table, you know? And, and then nothing but wings. Well, they'd like put like a tarp out on it, <laughs> basically. Like it's a crawfish boil. This, yeah, right. This is back in the day. I, I don't know if they still do that, that sort of thing, but that used to be the spot. Well, it is a rude awakening in the a.m. when you get up. Though. Yeah. You brush your teeth and it's like hot fire. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough deal. What motivates people to move away from just regular old buffalo wings? 
I mean, is Price, it, are, we that, are we that lazy as a society? Oh, it's it's cheaper to do boneless. No, like, I, I think this is the like Zoomer thing of like, oh, I don't want to deal with bones. They don't want to be reminded of where the food comes from. Wait, are you All serious? All food comes from like the Uber Eats guy. There's no such thing as like farmers or grocery stores. Wait, wait, wait. Are you being serious? I'm being serious. Like this is a thing of where the, they want to be completely like, they don't want to deal with, okay, bones or like, oh, that's gross. Well, I it, th- like, comes from an animal. They just want like. It could be that. I think it could also be just like. Oh, I don't want to get my hands dirty and have to use a wet nap. <laughs> you know, I'll just use a fork here with my boneless wing. Well, acor- but acor- but according to this article, the average price for prepared boneless wings is four ninety nine a pound, compared with eight thirty eight a pound for bone in wings. Mm-hmm. So it is a price thing at some point. But if it is also a generational thing, my God, what another problem! Yeah, look, we've got. this is the last one. It says generations that grew up on chicken nuggets. Turn to boneless wings as a way of allowing themselves to continue those eating. You know, who eats chicken nuggets. That's like a kid food of like, okay. My five year old loves chicken you're, nuggets. You're like, okay, I'm giving the kid an iPad to parent, <laughs> and now you're gonna have chicken nuggets too. You know, there you go, kid. I iPad, iPad, and chicken nuggets pretty much raises themselves. <laughs> we would do well if we had more. Like Gen X is a strong generation because they're a latchkey generation. Yeah. Like they, they both parents raised worked. themselves. <laughs> they raised themselves. And they're strong, right? I mean, they were like, told like acid rain's a problem. Like they were told that the world is ending any day now. Yeah. So don't bother trying. <laughs> like all their heroes, like Kurt Cobain kills himself. I'm like, well, it's another day as a Gen Xer, right? Like And there's zero complaints for Gen from Gen Xers. Yeah, no right? one no one even mentions them. It's like they don't exist. You're like, like going to work. Versus millennials. <laughs> Sorry, pal, we burnt your office down. He's like, ah, son of a Okay. Yeah. All right. Where should I set up shop? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so let's get to the uh, the balloons, um, if you will. This is an unbelievable story. I can't. I have so many hot takes on this. I know that you all do have yeah. hot takes on this too. But let me just cover the news first, okay. right? So, it, coming after the Chinese balloon that flew across our country on Friday, the U.S. shot down an object over Alaska. Uh, the government doesn't know yet what it was, or at least they won't tell us. It was uh, detected at forty thousand feet. Uh, and they shot the sucker down, right? So, okay, we're like, hmm, interesting. As a population, you're like, hmm, we have active military exercises happening for the first time over our country, and they're shooting real missiles at things. Maybe we should talk about that. Nope. Go on to Saturday. Canada, as... Uh, Karine Jean-Pierre. Karine Jean-Pierre uh, uh, says it. Uh, had a little incident of themselves, a high-altitude object shot down over northern Canada, temporarily closing the Montana airspace. This was a joint exercise. Canadian Prime Minister, this is according to ABC News, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said he ordered the takedown of an unidentified object that violated Canadian airspace. Canadian U.S. aircraft were scrambled. That's an F-22 that's that successfully fired uh, on the object. Let me stop there for a minute. A lot of you are wondering why the hell we would have... That's my question. ...an American jet. Now, they're not going... We will secure every country's borders but our own. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. Like Trudeau's crying, okay, scramble the jets, bro. Southern borders wide open. Oh, well, just another day. (laughs) So NORAD is a North American uh, uh, air defense partnership, essentially, but part of the reason why it's in the American interest is the Canadians, at least this is my thought, I don't think the Canadians have aircraft that are capable of operating above 45,000. They should have thought about it. 
They should have thought about it. You got money for your hippie programs. <laughs> Maybe you should have bought a jet, bro. <laughs> Not my problem. Why am I paying for it? So, and I, the more I read on it, the more I'm absolutely convinced this is true. Is because we have a relatively limited number of at least declassified aircraft that can operate in combat above sixty thousand feet, right? Yeah. And we have the F twenty two, which is the one that's been shooting everything down, and we have an F thirty five, which has been operating. In concert with this F twenty two, you notice this F twenty two, like the histo- the history of the problems of the F thirty five, are oh, yeah. insane. And the F twenty two, it's a it's a great plane, awesome plane, always does the job. Yeah, but now they got bodies on. Now that F thirty five is starting to work its work its will on these balloons, <laughs> so I mean, you know, it is only up. Anyway, all this takes place. Uh, does Biden talk about it? Nope, not even a little bit. Justin Trudeau does a quick little address to the Canadian people to. You know, I guess address why he, American planes are shooting stuff down over his country, but nothing from us. Um, and then all of a sudden we're in to like Lake Huron. So briefly Saturday night, there was another object over Montana, which I'm not sure we got any more information. It seemed like Congressman Rosendale and Senator Danes were providing the updates about what was or was not detected in the northern part of montana because they restricted the airspace right yeah they shut down the airspace and then they scrambled a bunch of jets but like nothing was shot down and then that kind of went away and no 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 briefing of that well sunday morning we wake up and there's now something over lake huron uh and they shut down airspace and again this time they shot stuff the Pentagon says it hasn't determined the nature and the purpose of the last three objects taken down, according to NBC News, which it declines to describe as balloons. Okay. So... It declines to describe as balloons. I mean, like, I don't get what's with this cloak and dagger bullshit. That's what I'm saying. They need to, they need to like, show us footage. They need to let every outlet go there. See what was shot down. See the pilot who shot it down. Listen from the pilot who shot it. We're all paying for this. Like, the, for the government to act like they're doing us a favor by being like, shut up, kids. Don't worry about this. We got this. Bro, we're paying all your paychecks. We're paying for the missile. We're paying for the jet. You know, you take so much of our money. The least you can do is tell me what you're doing with my money. That's all I'm asking for. But, like, you took the money. You had an easy job taking my money. <laughs> now tell me what you did with it, man. But if that doesn't offend you, what should offend you is the idea that you have active military engagement in the skies over this country for the first time i don't know maybe ever well what seems like the first time ever um and i wonder has this happened before and they just haven't reported it i mean is is this is this all brand new or is this the sort of thing that was classified and not discussed you know over the last 10 years and we're just now hearing about it because biden was embarrassed at the hot air balloon from russia or from china yeah, I don't I don't know the answer to that. And I think it could be that we are now publicly aware of it for the first time. And so but I mean, they still have to have these national defense airspaces opened and closed. And it seems to me like we would know if there were huge swaths of this country that all of a sudden went into military exercises. Well, that's true. Right. Which is what happened here. But 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 here's where it gets totally like off the rails and probably went to where duncan and smugs had i i think this is where it goes on the rails <laughs> so, to, be, to be frank so this general uh, van herc commander of north american airspace defense command that's norad 
and the U.S. Northern Command, uh, that's NORTHCOM, said in a media briefing on Sunday, I'm not going to categorize them as balloons. We're calling them objects for a reason. I'm not able to categorize how they stay aloft. Show us, show us the wreckage. I want show to believe. It. I want to believe. Well, like the we, aliens. This guy's the commander of, of NORAD. The commander of NORTHCOM. Like, there's more acronyms and answers. Like, how many pencil pushers does it take to show us the damn wreckage? It, Get out there, bro. Show us. I, I, I mean, I think maybe one of the reasons why is if it is Chinese, you know, spy surveillance equipment, disseminating that photo might be a national security risk. I don't no, want the dude. photo. Like, like I, I don't I need want, the photo. I want the photo. And, and let the Chinese know. Everybody sees it. Well, Everybody I, sees it. I don't, I don't it think... It says Alibaba <laughs> on the side. Okay. We know who's responsible. I know, but you don't want to... What's up, TikTok? <laughs> yeah. Like, the American people deserve it and have a right to it. I get it. But, I mean, if you... I'm just playing devil's advocate here. If you're, you know, in the intel community... And you've got photos of this thing and you think maybe North Korea is working on something like this or any other hostile actors. Iran is working on a drone system or something like this. Do you really want to release photos of how it I mean, look, I, You know I'm what I'm saying? I'm totally, you can push me a long way under the idea of, of intelligence gathering that you don't need to totally lift the full kimono. Right. Right. But when you're describing this as an octagonal structure with strings hanging off but no discernible payload as they have described it, you're going to have to at least tell me where the fuck this thing comes from. Well, I just think you put the alien that was driving it on national television <laughs> yeah. to have him explain it. Pull him out. Pull him out. <laughs> Pull him out on live TV. I mean, the, During the halftime. Halftime. We got him. It's, we're going to open the door. And we're all going to see what's going on in there. It's What's up, Spock? <laughs> yeah. Come on. Pull the alien out at halftime. Here it is. Here's the I Super mean, because, Bowl. Especially when you bring up the intelligence community who thinks you might... Dude, these people have lost all trust and faith from the American people. These are the last people who are allowed to tell us what is safe for us to know or not know. And then they're going to leave and get a little contract with CNN and then <laughs> act like they're an expert when all they've done is lie to us. <laughs> I don't care what they think is, is, is safe for the American people to know. The truth is what's safe for the American people to know. And we all pay for it. We, we pay all their paychecks. They need to tell us. Like, the fact that by this time, there's been three incidents and we haven't seen a single image of any wreckage of anything. What about the thing that was shot down off of South Carolina? We haven't seen that wreckage. Why haven't we seen it? Yeah, no, I mean, it, look, it's a good point. It would be nice to get something. And I mean, if Justin Trudeau can address his country, you'd think that they can write a statement and have Biden practice it a few times so that he can <laughs> deliver it and tell the American people what we know and why we're still in charge. Well, so, yeah. so that's the point that, that you just made is my whole gripe about this deal, which is you have absolute responsibility as a president not to freak the fuck out of your people, right? And when you have, again, active military, not exercises, but engagement with enemy aircraft and their missiles flying across the continental United States from airplanes, yeah. you have an obligation to tell people what's going on. You just do. And the fact that they have not... Here, here's what we have. Here's the sum total of what we have. Here's John Kirby on Monday. Extraterrestrial activity. I don't think the American people need to worry about aliens with respect to these craft. Period. I don't That's it. Okay. I don't buy it. No, I think Show it's it definitely aliens. <laughs> it's 100% now aliens. He might be an alien. He might <laughs> yeah. be replaced. Well, he's doing an elf a better job Jake than Sullivan. Uh, th this is what's causing this. Kirby, Jake Sullivan, all the lizard people 
for eons have been at war with the aliens <laughs> and it's come to a head and they don't want to tell us. <laughs> <laughs> They've been fighting the aliens. That's what it is, dude. I did like the idea and I pontificated a bit about this on Twitter. I did like the idea that the aliens are sort of like a pacifist people. And they came in and they say, like, ah, oh, man, what's going on with Earth? Let's check this shit out. Next thing you know, they got an F-35 up their ass, like, firing di- missiles The F-35 just crashes. They're like, oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> You're like, man, those people mean business. But, but you know, we have no information. And I, I can't imagine that the danger that we have in today's society with the rampant misinformation and, and coming from every which way, including the government... I can't imagine it's more dangerous to have this wild speculation than it is to actually provide hard answers. Well, if you say, I'm not able to categorize how they stay aloft, and then... <laughs> That's what got you. Right, and then and then after the Lake Huron uh, shoot-down, a senior administration official said it was an octagonal structure with strings hanging off, but no discernible <laughs> payload. So no discernible payload, and you don't know the propulsion system keeping this thing in the air. Again, at like 60,000 feet. right. He said, it's, I it, mean, and that's the thing. aliens. This is this is why we need answers. Like sunlight's the best disinfectant. Like you said, like when you have this kind of like hush hush garbage going on, all it does is leave a vacuum for all kinds of crazy, you know, it's stories true. and speculation to yeah. go on. So when one guy is saying that, like, no human technology could keep this up there, and then another guy says, well, it's not the aliens. Okay, well, like. There's a lot of problems here in these two statements. Like, they do not mesh. If you're like, no power on Earth could have kept that thing up there. Well, uh, what the hell is it? Show us the pictures, man. And and for these journalists, do your job. Like, I remember when Trump would be up there. The economy's booming. And you've got 50 people losing their minds. Like, the chicken little, right? But now, we've got, like, U.S. fighter aircraft shooting down shit all over the country. Quiet. If Trump Why are you was not president, shaking this guy down yeah, for this, answers? This is, this, is, this is the problem with voting for Democrats. If you want your media to keep the administration accountable, you have to have a Republican in office. Mm. Because if it's a Democrat, they're looking to partner with them to help them with whatever the issue is that they care the most about. If it's a Republican, they're holding them accountable. They always do. And so it's... It is, it is really just a terror. I mean, like, think about it. We've had eight years of the mainstream media lying to us yep. over and over and over again, starting with Russia. The, Russia oh, the Russians got Trump, perfect example. got Trump elected. And then it was four years of that, followed by four, followed by years of, oh, well, COVID, you need, to, you need to shut down your business, you need to wear a mask. And, like, none of, none of it was true. So people don't believe anything they're hearing from the media. It has nothing to do with the rise of alternate uh, information sources has everything to do with the the lack of, of confidence yeah. in the information sources they grew up with. That's it. And, and here's the thing: is like if you're not going to give this information, you know what my my speculation is? Is they want to file off these aircrafts where it says we want to thank the Penn Biden Center <laughs> for funding this like Chinese military enterprise. Like I don't trust these people. Do you think there's like a plaque on some of these that are like <laughs> Anthony made possible with the funding of the Penn Biden Center? <laughs> Our Secretary of State was getting money from the Penn Biden Center, which got millions from China. I don't trust any of these people yeah. at all. And the fact that they think that they can just like tell Americans to shut up. Hey, listen, the guys, you know, we got this covered. You can trust us. We're all bought and paid for. We're not going <laughs> to tell you what we're doing with your tax money. We're demanding more of it. But we're going to spend more of it. And that's just how it's going to be. Hell no. That's not how it's The easiest be. explanation is it's some like next gen drone technology that China has made right yeah and that's the easiest explanation some, some, somehow because i mean Bro, let's they be might honest. be ahead of us that's what the thing is, is if, like they it, might be ahead of us. if it was aliens 
I mean, Donald Trump would have tweeted, I've seen the gray men. <laughs> like, the second that this came out, was, Donald Trump would have admitted We've only had one honest it. person he calling w- the shots. He would have admitted he would have told it. us. He would have been like, Roswell, real. They said it was a weather balloon. I met the gray men. They're in Area 51. <laughs> the for gray sure. men. For sure. Well, he for sure, if he would have met the gray men, he for sure would have let us know. Yes. There's no question about that. But I think my bigger my bigger question is, if we take the most reasonable explanation as you just described it at face value, if that's what this is, do the American people not have a right to understand that the Chinese government or some other hostile power is trying to take over its airspace? Yeah. yeah. Like, is that is that not in a public interest? If that's not in the public interest, tell me what is. This is a great point. What is in I, the public interest? It's your only job, your number one. Like, I don't give a shit if this government does anything. I mean, nothing. Like, literally shut down every single thing. The good as start, long as great you, start. As long as you provide the national defense for this country. Bingo. It's the only thing that matters. The only thing they care about is reshaping our culture in their own image. That's all they care about. Anything that gets in the way of that, it, whether it's a, whether it's China sending 60,000 foot drones over our airspace, whether it's something that, you know, we're going to we're going to talk about the train derailment in a little bit. I think any any kind of disaster that this administration faces, they refuse to handle it mm-hmm. simply because they're much more interested in pushing this country in a direction that fits their ideological. You know, agenda. I'll tell you, uh, you know, my honest sense of what is happening in this situation is I think China has has leapt ahead of us, technologically speaking. There's been rumors of this going on for a long time about the kind of aircraft and drones that China is developing. I think this administration is embarrassed. I think it's shown for a very long time. The Obama administration was the same way. They didn't take China seriously. We had one administration that did, and it, it was consistently attacked. For being the, for for Donald Trump was constantly attacked for saying that China is a huge problem, and he tried taking steps to counter that. This administration has let Chinese companies run amok. They've done nothing to secure our country. Like our borders are the most insecure they've ever been in history. Biden had that absolute embarrassment of 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 a, 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 a situation in Afghanistan, getting our troops killed in that withdrawal. He he's been a horrible president when it comes to national defense and I think this administration is embarrassed and they're scared that the American people will learn how far ahead China has gotten using our money, using our money, using the systems that they've put in place. They want this whole country coast to coast covered in Chinese solar panels while completely hobbling domestic energy production. And 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 they would look like idiots if they're like, "Oh shit." So, so this is what's been happening? Yes, it's been happening. <laughs> and the American people deserve to know what kind of idiots have been calling the shots around here. And those idiots need to be held accountable. Yeah, I just don't know how long they can deal with this. Like, how, how long? I mean... Very long. This, this The, the media is not doing anything. I, I, it just it seems to me like people are going to have a connection here pretty quickly, right? I mean, nothing yet today. But if there's another one that goes down this week... They need to legalize surface-to-air defense under the Second Amendment. Let Americans take care of it. <laughs> if our government is not going to do their job, is not going to tell us the truth, you're, you're Second saying, Amendment. You're saying it's not? A surface-to-air it, missile? It no, those are, those are pretty well-regulated. <laughs> <laughs> you imagine a bunch of you know farmers and ranchers out there with Stinger missiles? Firing like indiscriminately. That'd be incredible. <laughs> hey, listen, there's a lot of parts of the world where farmers and ranchers got proficient with Stingers. That's right. <laughs> oh, oh, man. That's right. Yeah, hey, guys, you know, 30 years later, it came... Came to bite us in the ass, but turns out they organized. Yeah, <laughs> had some strong feelings about their own personal religious beliefs too. 
<laughs> um, all right, so no, but you, you previewed this, the second piece of this that we're going to talk about, which is this train derailment. And for those of you who have not been following it, the uh, village of East Palestine, Ohio, it's about 50 miles northwest of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, close to Youngstown, right? And um, they had a mechanical issue on a rail car that caused a derailment. And they were carrying extraordinarily toxic hazardous material, including vinyl chloride, which my understanding is not good, folks. Not good. It looks horrific. It the looks images horrific. look horrific. So the original explosion, all this uh, was sort of, I want to say February 3rd or something like that. But it's still a disaster. And the original explosion was horrible. And you were looking at all of this and, and thinking, my God, it's got to have residual impact on that community. Well, they've, they've since been trying to deal with it and have done like controlled release of the gas so it doesn't have another monumental explosion. The problem is the people in this community have been evacuated, essentially, and now they're not really getting any answers about what's happening here. Like, is are there farmland, rivers, streams? Is it just forever fucked? I mean, is it just totally polluted or not? I mean, you'd think if you have an environmental protection agency, this would sort of be in there. Area yeah, it was one mistake. You would think, you would think, but but they are so focused on trying to change the weather, they don't do anything about the practical impact of clean water and air. Yep. You know this is this is a big train. I, for folks who haven't read much, I mean this train is basically a mile long. Yeah, fifty freight cars. I mean it is a very long train. Twenty and, of which were containing hazardous materials. And so the, these are the kinds of things that like an incompetent government. That is a, a transportation department run by a guy who grounded planes with the FAA, stopped all like, do, do we remember last summer when mm-hmm. ships couldn't even come into port? Yeah. Do we remember all of the supply chain problems under this guy? Now there is a giant train derailment. He won't even talk about. Well, it. surely he would address it at Monday's press conference that he did. Let's uh, let's hear what he had to say. What what is it that he talked about? We have heard way too many stories from generations past of infrastructure where you got a, a neighborhood, often a neighborhood of color, that finally sees the project come to them. But everyone in the hard hats on that project looking like uh, uh, you know doing doing the good paying jobs don't look like they came from anywhere near the neighborhood. Right. Okay, so there's too many white people doing construction. That is such an <laughs> insane take. That's, that's, that is such an insane take. But how does that even find its way into talking points when you have a catastrophe of this magnitude happening to the people in Northeast Ohio? I will tell you why. It's because Pete Buttigieg is running for president mm-hmm. and because Pete Buttigieg got caught tearing down buildings in black neighborhoods when he was mayor of South Bend. Got caught. It was written up. It's one of the reasons that he didn't make it any further than he did in the Democratic primary years ago. It's an interesting approach. He's like, you know, the people building buildings in black neighborhoods shouldn't be white, but the guy tearing it down, I, I think I did a good job. <laughs> so, so, white guy's good at that. So, so, he's, so he's trying to cover his ass for what he's done in the past, and nobody in the press calls him on, hey, what about this mile-long train that, that went over? What about all the spills? What and did he say this? he loved trains? Like, he was all about it, right? I remember he was like, yes. Big train guy. Yeah. yeah, he's like one of those nerds who put a penny on the tracks to flatten it. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably what he derailed this it. thing. It, he did it, dude. <laughs> and that he is the problem. It. That is a problem. He's trying to cover this up. And you've got... It, you know what it is? It's another one of these Harvard people. He went and he became a mayor of a small town. Did a horrible job at that. And he's like, destiny has chosen me. 
I'm going to be president of the United States. But not these, before I fix these bread prices. Exactly. Like, <laughs> he's going to address the crisis and be like, I know what Ohio needs, higher bread prices. That should fix this situation. <laughs> but that's the thing, a McKinsey guy. You know what I mean? Like, the administrative state of these people have zero idea of how to actually deal with the problems that Americans are facing. All they want to do is build up a nicer resume so that they can build a case on that debate stage. And it's a forever, it's a forever job in democratic politics, right? Yeah. I mean, we've looked at the same names in democratic administrations since the Clintons, since Bill Clinton, and it, they just never change. And so that, Rook, I think that's that's partially true. But I also think this dude is, is symptomatic of this larger issue that has happened in the Biden administration where if there is a genuine catastrophe, their view is this is much better to just simply ignore it and not say anything in the hopes that the press will blow over and we'll talk about something else next week. I mean, remember the baby formula? Remember how, how long it yep. took somebody in the administration to talk about the fact that we didn't have baby formula in this country? Mm-hmm. I mean, you mentioned the ships out at sea. They didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. He was going to a uh, what some kind of a documentary about his life in chicago yeah. hanging out can you believe that yeah no i mean it's, it's just incredible and now you got balloons that are getting shot down by f-22s all over this country and they're like well it's not aliens yeah oh thanks for the fucking update that's awesome and, so and, what, and what is about it? the poison train so here's the thing about the poison train a lot of white people building things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you guys notice this? Yeah, we got to put an end to it. It's, it's, too many white construction workers in Youngstown. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, which, can you imagine the resonance of that yeah. commentary in Youngstown, Ohio? Yeah. Holy cats. I just don't understand how they can get away. And I know the easy answer is the press doesn't hold them accountable. I get it. But you would think just your average American not doesn't have to be a high-consuming news person person would sit around and be like do we even have a government right right and what is, is it you do here they are so bad at their job this country is dealing with so many it's crisis after crisis like the american people don't get a second to breathe right, right? The, a, a record number of americans are living paycheck to paycheck everything's expensive eggs i mean the price of eggs smuggling if eggs get, if you can get baby formula if you can get medicine for your kid Planes are shooting down stuff all over America, and they're telling us just act normal. Everybody just act normal. Yeah, it's all Because they don't want the blame. They don't want the blame. They don't want the accountability. They just want the awards. It's incredible. It, it is. It truly is like if Hollywood were to be put in charge of- That's a great, yeah, of 100%. Right? It's like everything is just cosplay. Everything is theatrical. Yeah. <laughs> it really, it genuinely is, right? Everything is about the big speech. Everything's about the, you know, this is the poor people we're sticking up for today. Meanwhile, I got a, a genuine environmental catastrophe that could harm hundreds of thousands of people in a state in this union. And uh, too many white construction. Workers. Yeah, that's the, I mean, it's just, it, 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 the situation that the American people have been put in is just unreal. It's horrific. The media is complicit in this. These horrible administrative people are, cons- are are complicit in it. Right now, we have basically a presidential administration, which is like, oh, I went to Harvard. I went to McKinsey. I have no actual skills. I've never actually done anything with my life other than try to write an essay for good grades. And these are the people calling the shots. They don't know what it's like to build anything in this country. They don't know what it's like to have a business in this country, have a, like a family in this country. All these people are just administrators and paper pushers. And this is a result. We're seeing what happens when these kind of idiots are in charge. No one feels safe. 
no one feels like, you know, are my kids going to have a better like uh, life than I did? I mean, the future is looking bleak. Economically speaking, more and more Americans are racking up credit card debt at record high interest rates. And all this administration is saying is, well, maybe we shouldn't have white people working construction. <laughs> it's insanity. I mean, it really it's is. It's insanity. It is a good opportunity for a Republican-led Congress, however, to actually address some of these issues and try to hold people accountable. I realize that they are, you know, amidst all kinds of different oversight, and it's just the beginning here. But they really got to put their shoulder to the wheel. Yeah, there I was mean, a, there was an article in the Washington Post that said uh, uh, the House wrapped up its final votes for the week on Thursday and departed on an 18-day break from the legislative session. Unlike past new majorities, these House Republicans have opted to move slowly in trying to advance their agenda. I don't, I don't. That should not be an option. There's no time to advance the agenda slowly. This administration took zero time in, in basically driving this country into a hole. Mm-hmm. This administration needs to be held accountable. Like, how many places have we now found stolen top secret documents that that Joe Biden had? And how f- f- since he was vice president, they've been out. Yeah, they've been on the lam since he was vice president, and at lo- a location which was funded by the Chinese government, where our Secretary of State was cashing checks. There's a lot of investigations that need to get underway. There should be subpoenas. There should be long nights. There should be an administration held accountable. That's got to that's gotta happen now. Yeah, I hope the oversight function is not. I mean, look, <clears throat> you can count on the Washington Post to write an article like this saying like, oh, these House Republicans, they're all on vacation. They don't do anything anymore. Like no mention in this article whatsoever. The fact that the Senate hasn't done a single thing. This Democratic Senate has mm-hmm. not done anything Mm -hmm. there's no legislative agenda whatsoever right i mean like literally they if you were to ask chuck schumer what is it that this senate's going to do which apparently nobody's done because i really haven't asked i I haven't seen anything but if you were to ask him what is it that you're going to do he could give you zero concrete answers as to anything that they hope to accomplish and pass into law zero zero that's why they keep talking about the debt ceiling so much, right? Because it's one thing you actually have to legislate on. Because everything else, like they, you know, the, Chuck Schumer, rather than trying to engage with House Republicans on something that could actually move the ball forward, let's call it rail safety for the for lack of uh, a better term. Like, nope, we're not. We just disagree with them, so we're not going to talk to them. You know, speaking of the debt ceiling, I want some like wild man congressman to be like, release the pictures of the UFOs that crashed, but we shot down. Oh, we're not raising shit. We paid for it. You're not getting more money until you show us what you did with ours. Bring me the alien. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Good leverage. <laughs> I want to see the alien. Yeah. But I mean, they do, somebody does need to get on this. I mean, they need to get on all of this stuff. And I, I my hope is, which is traditionally the case. I mean, look, they're measuring everything in terms of legislative activity. Right. I actually don't give a shit if they legislate on anything because they're not going to pass anything beyond what they've passed with that D.C. home rule thing last week, which, by the way, was terrific. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys noticed that. But in Washington, D.C., we may have touched on this briefly, but the city council here is basically a, a third world country. Like they, 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 They're essentially a terror group. They, they, in the time, They've legalized essentially militias. There's to rule parts of DC. They've like defunded the cops. Yeah. Right. And then at a time of record crime, record carjackings, record murder, record everything, they lowered the penalty for violent crimes. Yeah. Unilaterally. 
They're like, well, we have too many carjackings. What if we legalize it? Then it's not a carjacking. <laughs> the, the mayor, High five and they're done for the day. <laughs> the mayor who kept mask mandates up longer than any place in the country and didn't do anything about to try to rebuild this city after riots took it over. Uh, her only real accomplishment was creating Black Lives Matter Boulevard, turn, turning 16th into Black Lives Matter Boulevard. She was even so offended that she vetoed the damn thing. They overrode her veto 12-1. And lest you believe... Like you didn't defund the cops enough. And lest you believe that there is at least one member of the city council who is not completely insane, as you pointed out, Duncan, this is also the guy that believes the Jews control the weather. Yeah. Yeah, he's the, he's re- like, hey, he's the reasonable one. He's like, hey, that crazy guy. can't crime, but... That's too like, far. Yes, yes, you can. <laughs> Yeah. So the, all of this happens, but little known to, uh, I'm sure, a lot of people, the Congress has oversight over many things uh, in D.C. In fact, one point, it just was the government of D.C. Right. And so the House Republicans passed two uh, pieces of legislation. One, reversing the criminal code changes that they did. And the second thing they reversed was... These idiots in the city council made it legal for any non-citizen to vote in their elections. Now, the first thing you think about is like, oh, like you get illegal immigrants in voting. Yes, that is true. That's not the worst of it. Russian diplomats and Chinese diplomats fully can vote in the election according to those laws. (laughs) My God. Like, think about that. Incredible. Right? It's literal foreign influence in our elections. (laughs) Literal foreign influence. They actually legalized it. So they passed that, and I think there's there's some promise because of procedural stuff that the Senate could figure out a way to pass that too. That might very well be Biden's first veto, by the way, is is vetoing a reversal of soft on crime. You think policies. you think he would actually veto that? Well, they have. I mean, you remember when if you, he did, that would be a field day. It would be a field day. But remember, you have to think about the Democratic orthodoxy. We are only by the existence of the filibuster itself available to say that dc is not a state in this union democrats were unanimously going to pass last congress a bill to make dc a state the state that that i just described as voting 12-1 to legalize crime basically they they want to put a poll site in the chinese embassy (laughs) yeah biden's gonna be like i won't let you stop this so they (laughs) They gave me too much money (laughs) they think it's a civil rights issue they genuinely believe the D.C. autonomy is a civil rights issue. And so he's going to have a choice of whether or not to back de- legalizing crime or piss off the civil rights activists. I think he vetoes the damn thing. Amazing. It's incredible. It's like, you know, between the city council and the mayor and then by it's like everybody's got an Uno reverse card and it all leads to more crime. <laughs> <laughs> It's incredible. <laughs> What'd you get? More crime. Yeah. Draw, draw five carjackings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, it's the way that's... It's incredible it's- because like nobody can just admit the truth of the issue of crime in our city here. And so it's all just pandering to activists instead of solving the problem. Yeah. And this, I mean, the city absolutely sucks. I feel bad for people who live here you know i commute in you commute in from virginia um i i I mean i can't believe it nothing protecting their interests for sure but anyway my point in all that was to say that's real legislating 
right? You, you, when you pick out something that makes a tangible difference and you can get to the finish line, as they did with that, as they did with the IRS repealing the 88,000 new IRS agents, like that's real legislating. I'm glad they did that. But at the end of it, the oversight function is really the most important point, and that's not touched on in this Washington Post. Well, yeah, and I mean, just because they're not in session doesn't mean the work that those staffers are doing on the research yeah, that and all, everything that goes into some of these oversight battles that we're going to see is going to be done during that period of time. So, I mean... I just wanted to move, like, there was a great example, like when Newt Gingrich took over, in that first 100 days, the whole contract with America, like, he moved, he got on it. I want to see that kind of... You know, and, and they need to keep in contact with the public of like, hey, here's how we're moving the ball forward. We promised you that if you elected us and gave us the House majority, we would we would get these things accomplished for you. Here's our progress on that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, do you see that Biden released a terrorist? I did. I, this is such an infuriating story. See, I remember this back. So when I was in the Senate, uh, Gitmo was a big controversial deal, right? Obama had pledged basically to shut the thing down. And McCain at that point wanted to shut down too. I don't know. He definitely reversed himself in his later years. But they would find countries, host countries, to accept these terrorists and let them out of out of Gitmo. Well, that that like went away after the Obama year, after the first couple of the Obama yep. years. And, and it never to be thought of again until Biden now is there, right? U.S. military, this is according to the AP, U.S. military officials said Thursday they've freed and sent to Central America a one-time Al-Qaeda money courier who had completed a sentence? Yeah, they, they said he had completed his sentence. So it, ending an imprisonment that included, well, this is the, the great AP, that included torture at clandestine CIA sites. I mean, I'm not... I'm not <sighs> That's enhanced interrogation to begin with, right? So I read a lot about this story because I liked getting angrier and angrier. And the Washington Post's article on this is so outrageous. It's so outrageous. So it gets, it, 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 there are two people who are supporting this terrorist. Number one is the Biden administration who let him out. Number two is the Washington Post who sends a reporter and a photojournalist with him on his trip to Belize, has lunch with him. He's like on the beach in Belize. Like he's on a make-a-wish trip. They, no, they went on a shopping trip with him. Come like, on. Oh, you're going to, I swear to God, this is true. They're like, oh, how are you going to furnish your house? And he's like, shopping for goods. This is, and, and the AP article, it says, they have, this is a fact. One of the things he did included fearing $50,000 from Pakistan to fund a deadly 2003 hotel bombing. In oh, yeah, Asia. you remember, I remember that bombing. So he's the money guy. He's the money guy. And now the Washington Post is like, and, and the way they framed it, they're like, okay, so, so there was so much information. Number one, uh, some of these terrorists are allowed to have like art supplies and stuff. And so this guy, apparently he would paint a lot. And so the Biden administration, the Trump administration said that like, if, if anyone is ever let out of this place, you're not allowed to take any art or anything with you. The Biden administration was like, that's unfair and cruel. And you're now allowed, we will pay to transport your art with you. Come so, on. so he's allowed to have that, and like in this country, we have laws like serial killers in jail when they make paintings and stuff, they can't profit off it. Right. Biden, right. Biden's administration is like, yeah, that's totally cool. <laughs> and the Washington Post was like, the Trump administration had a very cruel position in not allowing terrorists to take their paintings with them. And then they send a photojournalist to take like, hey, so now that you've completed your sentence in Gitmo, what are you going to do next? Like, it's he just won the Super Bowl. You going to Disneyland, you buddy? <laughs> well, here's the best part. So he was sentenced to 26 years. Right? They let him out uh, in 11. 
how do you let him out, period? How do you let him out? I want the, like, the Biden administration should talk to the families of the victims of all these, these, these activities, of these terrorist attacks that he took part in, and explain to them, hey, here's why we let this guy go free after he killed your family member. Here, so I'm going to show you because this is shocking, dude. No, I'm looking yes, at the picture. It's unbelievable. It. He's checking out they're, stuff. They're like, let's go on a shopping trip with a terrorist. This is the Washington Post. Oh, my God. Can you believe this? Can you believe this? Well, I love that they sort of hand wave through. They talk about his cooperation with U.S. authorities, and they talk about all the things that he was involved in, and like you said, the hotel bombing, and then they sort of hand wave through, and many other things that didn't ultimately come to fruition. Oh. Oh, why do you think they didn't come to fruition? Yeah. Maybe because we captured this fucking terrorist and had him at Gitmo? <laughs> I don't know. Now nah, we tortured him. So now it's shopping spree time, pal. Meanwhile, think about how many Afghani translators that Joe Biden They're left still in the there. country. They didn't get a, a shopping trip with the Washington Post. They get overlooked. Wait, is that the dude? This is the dude in the Washington Post taking a photo of him while he's chilling at the beach, having a meal, having a great time. He's in a, he's in a Tommy Bahama and a, and a, a hat. Yeah, having a great time. Like he's at Jeez. the beach. And uh, this is a, a <laughs> semi-related but actually kind of funny story about Gitmo is at the same time this past weekend, because there's like a thousand Marines down there at, at, in Gitmo. Yeah, guarding it. Um, so like, you know, one of these like, uh, you know, what are they called? Uh, when they have like shows and stuff for the Marines overseas. USO? U- yeah, a USO type thing. So like Broncos cheerleaders went down <laughs> to go see our troops and so many journos were mean to them about it, they had to delete the tweets. What? Can you believe it? They're like, no. Why should Marines be allowed to have a good time? Only terrorists should be allowed to have a good time. <laughs> you got to be kidding. Dead serious. They had to delete the tweet. Dude, I was... Shout j- out Broncos, man. Looking out for our troops in Gitmo. I was just thinking, because I don't know, what it, was it true as we were watching the National Anthem and they showed like the B-roll of our of our troops and whatnot, that there was like a uh, pride flag in the middle of it? <laughs> that was true. Is that true? <laughs> Because I saw it and I was like, I don't know if that's what I'm looking at here or if it's like some kind of a uniform thing that I didn't understand, but it sure looked like That was that. like the end of the Trump administration, the start of the Biden administration. They bring down the American flag and put up the pride flag. Gitmo is going to be a friendlier place from now <laughs> We're going to be inclusive at Gitmo. <laughs> oh, dude. But that's what makes you think. Like if you're saying the Broncos cheerleaders went that, the first thing that came to my mind is, boy, we've gone a long way since Bob Hope, huh? <laughs> I mean, they throw up, they throw up, uh, you know, like a bikini show for the troops, and like, you know, it seemed to be a happier time. I'm and sure they I'm, wouldn't mind. So, what was funny about the tweet that they had to delete the like Broncos cheerleaders is like in their little graphic they threw up. It was a they put a flag of Cuba in the back. Of it. <laughs> oh, come on, <laughs> actually, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Biden even gave him give him. <laughs> So the cheerleaders were not well briefed, is what we're saying. They didn't have. Where's I? I'm I'm surprised. I thought Condi was involved with the Broncos. You think she would have had them all? She, you know what? And if she anybody's such, a fan of Gitmo, yeah, she was probably trying to like raise spirits for some Marines who were doing like a very difficult job. And meanwhile, the journals just come after them. Unbelievable! It, it shows you like the journals are yet again supporting terror groups and terrorists. They don't care about the American people. <laughs> You're saying the Marines didn't get a shopping trip to Belize. Bingo. That's who should be getting a shopping trip in Belize. <laughs> all right. Let's do a quick presidential roundup here uh, because there's been a lot of news. All of a sudden, we're starting to catch fire in 2024. Different people are talking about getting in the ring and doing different stuff. 
there was an article in the Wall Street Journal about Republican Senator Tim Scott, friend of the program, uh, preparing a run for president. And then I saw uh, our friend Cory Gardner, former senator from Colorado, is running a super PAC on his behalf. So that looks real. Uh, no sense at this point when the timing of that might be. We heard from Nikki Haley after we discussed on the program a few weeks back about how she was going to announce, and she said uh, they should be happy to come on the program at some point. Okay, here. we'll so. say Tim Scott should be up next. I we, I don't want to mess up with like the whole rules of like a presidential exploratory committee or whatever. So like, yeah, we don't want to screw once that. Once you announce, you got what? what where we get him? Thirty days, sixty days? Yeah, sixty days. Sixty, 60 days is super fair. And we've had we've had Tim on twice. So you know, look, I'm sure he'd be happy to come back again. Nikki needs to come on. She knows that. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, you might recall this guy. You've seen him on Fox News, I'm sure, on Tucker. And he does great hits on Tucker. He does great hits. He's all about the woke culture. As a former CEO, he talks about all the sort of perversions of of uh, capitalism that we've gone through over the last few years. He came on the program when he wrote a book, Woke Inc. Mm-hmm. I think this was maybe a year or two ago. Uh, it says that he's now filing or thinking about having his eyes on the presidency. That's outside the box. I didn't see that coming. He's 37. Uh, he's worth millions, and he's got hundreds a, of millions. That's that's a good way to run for office. It's a good way to run for office, <laughs> and he's from Cincinnati. Is he really? He is. There you go. He is. He is. So you know, we'll keep an eye on that one. And then the one that everybody's focused on here, mm-hmm. which is you know the heavyweight bout, is DeSantis and Trump, right? And it is <laughs> it's caught my eye. Uh, Trump frequently now attacking DeSantis, who is, I think, for the most part, ignored. But, you know, last week he took a shot back, basically saying it's not his job to attack other Republicans. Yeah. Um, And now you've got the mainstream press that's basically trying to goad him into doing what they want. Right. Fight fight Donald Trump in front of us, please. Right. Right. But but the thing is, it's got to be a brawl. It's got to be. No, yeah. I mean, but you know it's a primary. You got to fight it out. But you know it's coming, right? But it it doesn't speak to Trump's strength that he is constantly attacking a guy who hasn't announced. Well, I you know think what he I mean? reads polls like the rest of us, right? right. I mean, whether you, whether you like it or not, whether you're a Ron DeSantis fan or not, he is being treated by all of the candidates we just talked about, including Donald Trump, as the front runner in this race. You got Chris Sununu out attacking DeSantis. Yeah, we don't too. have him in our roundup. Sorry about that, Smug. <laughs> oh, well, we'll see when he announces. He yeah. should, he'll have 60 days. Did, on the show. Did you guys see Trump's new nickname for DeSantis? Yeah. I did. <laughs> yeah. Meatball Ron. Meatball Ron. So I saw this. So um, conservative thinker Bill Mitchell had this tweet where he was like, I've just checked Trump's truth social feed. And thus far, there are no denials that he called Ron DeSantis Meatball Ron. <laughs> he says, being of Italian descent, Trump calling him a meatball is without question an ethnic slur. <laughs> Which I knew, is not an ethics. Well, I, it, listen, he's trying to get you ingratiated <laughs> with the Trump administration. I can tell you that. And I mean, and I, I, I said as much, and many, many Italians rolled up in the replies and were like, "Yes, I do not consider meatball ethnic." <laughs> he's gonna, he's gonna be on the debate stage, and he's gonna say, "Hey, Ron, go make me a lasagna or something, huh?" <laughs> I, I, it's gonna, uh, it's, that, it's, it's, it's only gonna escalate. He's gonna go through a full cuisine. I want to see like Mario jokes. I want to see all <laughs> oh my of it. God. <laughs> I just, I'm a little disappointed that Donald Trump stole our bit. 
He did. Of he doing, went. doing, you know, anti-Italian bigotry. <laughs> because, like, that is... Because like, it kills, dude. Is, it crushes. That is Smug and Ashbrook's favorite thing to do on the show. It is. I feel like it's high time we threw in on the Irish or something. Yeah, just I to, know. Just to get, like, they deserve uh, something. We have, we have Italian fans, and every time they're like, oh, come on. Yeah, every, and, and these two guys... are good sports. They are good, good sports. sports. And, and we mock out of love. Yeah. We do. We do, we do mock it, but I do think it's high time that the the Irish, the Irish are due for it. Start but getting Trump something. is literally going to look down the dais and say, "Okay, Ron, enough about your time as governor. Why don't you give us your recipe for uh, <laughs> veal parm?" <laughs> if he starts calling him lasagna, Ron, then we know we've hit a new echelon. Yeah, right? it's, it's going to happen. I don't know what he's going to do with that. I mean, so, I do like his workshopping this, and and I think the time is right. You know, like there are times preemptive strike works. So like he's 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 right now it's before you know the the primaries before the debate stage he's going out let's say he's like a good comedian he's finding out what gets the crowd you know when they first test run their show before they do the Netflix special he's seeing what gets the crowd really into it meatball Ron he's tried the sanctimonious we're gonna see what works because let me tell you if there's Trump has many talents but absolutely destroying a person with a nickname. I've never seen anyone come close to his ability. He's, he's going to be Mussolini's lost grandson by <laughs> by next August. Just you wait. I just Christopher I mean, Columbus. I don't know. I, I, exactly. I, I don't know practically that it like is the best look right now though because I mean, just like Donald Trump has his social media accounts and Mar-a-Lago and Ron DeSantis is the governor, right? Yeah, right. And like yeah. he's in session and he can post dubs every week and hold press conferences and stuff and so like i just think that that side by side isn't so strong for donald trump well it's not i mean again he's being desantis is being treated as a front runner and that's the surest sign yet when you have basically someone who is the incumbent he's he's the incumbent republican nominee former president of the united states right when he's attacking, it shows that he kind of knows what the score is there too. The other, the other thing is when you know what the score is, it's when the scam packs start uh, trying to raise money oh, for, yeah. for the God. for the incumbent. You know, I think that should be one of the many public services that we provide in this primary cycle. Is we got to call out every scam pack. I I completely agree. Like we should be like, okay, we just saw filing. Uh, Rob Pyers, great person to follow on Twitter. He like combs through all the FEC reports. And, and calls out like Stacey Abrams. I mean, the scam pack she ran. Like, oh yeah, where eighty percent is going to just like consultants fundraising. But like, we will call out all the scam packs that are out there trying to fleece Americans. Yes, yeah. because we got to make sure every dollar counts. Yeah, I mean, there's I mean, there's one on Fox. I don't even know the name of it now, but it's one of those like draft Ron type things, and it's like press one to draft Ron, and oh, you have come to on. give like fifteen bucks. Yeah, oh yeah, no, it's like a telemarketing deal, <laughs> right? Right, but you saw that exclusively off of Trump's name, right, for six years, and now you see it starting to mingle around, and so I think that's a great idea, Smug. I think we should yep. start calling those name things and shame. Out. Absolutely, if they're not going to the candidate that you support, we ought to be in charge of telling people hundred percent that information. All right, so should we get to our interview? Let's do it. Uh, this is Tommy Schultz. I want to welcome back to the program someone the minions have been clamoring for. Uh, and, and honestly, we really need an update because you can't go a minute without reading a headline somewhere across this country about people scrambling for school choice. And one of the guys in the absolute center of that nationwide is the CEO of the American Federation for Children, Tommy Schultz. Welcome back, pal. 
Hey, thanks for having me. I think the last time we chatted was summer of 2021, and we've had our uh, best two-year cycle ever in the school choice movement. So I'm calling it the ruthless bump, frankly, <laughs> is what happened. I love it. Well, we're going to definitely take credit for that, Tommy. Uh, despite all of your, your efforts, we're just going to swoop in on top and lead that parade. Uh, but in all seriousness, so we talked a couple of weeks ago to Kim Reynolds, um, who got an incredible package of school choice done in Iowa. And then you saw Utah uh, last year with Arizona. Um, it just feels like there's this momentum behind this issue that we haven't seen in a long time. Yeah, look, uh, the governors and these state legislatures, uh, they're the real heroes uh, in this fight uh, because parents have been begging for this for so, so long. And finally, it took elected leaders to really step up and make this happen. Uh, you mentioned Arizona. Doug Ducey, that was the first big domino to fall last year when he made uh, every single student, all 1.1 million Arizonans eligible for an education savings account. That basically gives every Arizona parent per student roughly $7,500 that they can fully control of their tax dollars for their child's education. So private school tuition and even homeschooling expenses are included in that. And then you mentioned Governor Reynolds. I know, great friend of the program. Um, I used to work for her. She's re uh, remarkable in terms of her advocacy. She was the first governor, actually, to sign our Education Freedom Pledge, which then she's the first governor right out the gate this year, as you said, signs in a universal school choice bill, essentially, by year three, roughly every single Arizona parent's going to be eligible to access uh, an education savings account. I think it's going to be roughly uh, $7,500 as well, just like Arizona. Really, it's going to be an incredible year overall. I mean, even Utah, just a few days later after Iowa uh, signed a school choice bill along with the teacher pay increase, um, Governor Cox signed that, uh, I think, on a Saturday morning, just like a, you know three days afterwards uh, from Kim Reynolds. Total number of states this year that have introduced a private school choice bill is 27. So I mean, wow. absolutely incredible. Governors, even as recently, you know, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Governor yeah. Stitt, and I expect uh, Texas Governor Abbott this week to be making an announcement too. The, the momentum is just big time. I feel like in the next couple of years, we may have all 50 states done. But so essentially by the time that uh, Comfortably Smug is flying Southwest with his kids, you know, we're going to have all, all the school choice stuff is just going to be wrapped up. I love that you mentioned that. That's just so great. <laughs> and the mental image of that is terrific. Um, <laughs> but you know what, Tommy, in all seriousness, we, we talked about this in 21 as having the potential for massive change because of all the experiences the parents had coming out of COVID. We saw political movement amongst, you know, ideologically left of center people towards the idea of giving parents and and families choice in their education but then you guys got about the work of doing it capitalized upon that and we're enacting things and and i think the biggest thing that you just said i mean you, you mentioned sarah huckabee sanders new governors it's now a priority right where this is this is for decades this was an issue that everybody's like well it wouldn't this be nice if we felt like getting into a battle royale with teachers unions you know, and, and basically sidelining the rest of my agenda while I try to fight to get something done. That's changed now. Absolutely. And when we talked about it on the show last time, um, we kind of mentioned how the first instinct of most people when it comes to, to politics and to education in particular, um, they usually think it's the school board that controls everything. But what governors and legislators started to realize is that, wait a minute, 
we control huge portions of the education funding in K through 12. It's not the federal government. Some localities have some significant control, but really it is the state legislatures. They're usually accounting for 70 or even 80% of the per pupil funding in a given situation. So you could either, you know, wrestle with the school board endlessly. You can take over every school board in America and you would sort of realize, gosh, the needle actually wouldn't move. So governors woke up and realized, you know, new governors, like you said, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Jim Hillen in Nebraska, absolute heroes when it comes to this, because they said, we're going to empower parents. We're basically going to make every parent, every family unit, their own school board, essentially, by giving them full control of their kids' education funding. So huge sea change. And you mentioned um, kind of talking about trends here. Let's look at the polling even. Um, our last poll, which is February 2022, we're going to be doing another national one here soon. The biggest jump in terms of uh, kind of the partisan nature of things wasn't the biggest jump in support over two years wasn't Republicans or independents. It was actually Democrats. Mm -hmm. uh, and the largest jump demographic overall was public school parents. They had a 13 point jump in two years in terms of supporting this issue, which wow. is just unheard of. You guys do lots of polling like you don't see movements and uh, issues change that quickly. So this is real. This is an absolute tidal wave. Uh, last year, you know, more than eight billion dollars was generated in terms of new school cho choice funding going to families. Uh, this year, I mean, it's going to just be uh, pro uh, completely unprecedented, but also I think you're going to have half a dozen states locking up big school choice victories. You know, Indiana, I know Duncan's going to be real excited about that. You know, we mentioned Nebraska, we mentioned Texas, Florida, Arkansas. You know, you just go on down the list. All these states are just poised to radically transform the education system for the better and it's going to put parents in control all across the country. Yeah, well, and I've always felt like this is one of those issues that if you give somebody a chance, the results are going to speak for themselves, right? I mean, it's yeah. when you have these kind of reforms that people have been hesitant to do for so long because of the entrenched powers and everything else, it's a real problem for the opposition when you actually enact it. Because, I mean, these kids are going to get educated. The parents are going to like the school that they're able to send their kids to. The results uh, are going to be a huge improvement and then, you know, and then the entrenched power has got a real problem. Yeah, look, I we talked a bit, I think, last go around about how governors that leaned into this uh, in the 2018 and 2020 cycle, and then we saw obviously in the 2022 cycle, really just had staggering victories and parents came out in droves mm -hmm. for these politicians. You know, everyone knows Glenn Youngkin, everyone's heard of DeSantis, but when you make parents kind of the key voting block in an election, that's just... So powerful. And as you said, when the special interests want to come and attack these school choice programs, for instance, what they are in essence saying is, I want to rip your kid out of that school that you love, which isn't a really uh, <laughs> hot selling point for voters across the country, right? Turns um, out there's some hesitation in that. <laughs> that's right. And so in particular, when you, you said test results and kind of the outcomes for kids, right? When you look at the newest national kind of data that came out from the nation's report card, it's called just a few months ago in the fall, it showed that on average, you know, in the 2020 uh, kind of testing uh, cycle, Catholic school students were two and a half years ahead of public school peers. Because what do we know? Catholic schools, private schools in general, 99% of them were open if they were able to be open mm -hmm. uh, come the fall of the pandemic. Uh, so there was just sort of this baseline of these kids are actually getting an education in a classroom, right. let alone they're responsive to parents generally. And that's why they were open in the first place. So parents are begging for this stuff. I think, again, this is going to be, you know, we called, you know, each of the past previous years, the year of school choice, because it was just such a record breaking success. 
this year is going to top it, I think. Yeah, I was just going to say, might as well make three in a row because I think <laughs> we're already had. I mean, geez, it's February and we're already knocking states out, which is it, it's incredible, incredible progress. But look, Tommy, one of the big pieces of this, and we talked about sort of the changing politics, obviously the backdrop of COVID has a lot to do with that, but the work that you all are doing in various states, I think is pretty important here because we, we have, as we discussed, changed the issue from something that conservatives have always sort of liked to, you know, whether or not they wanted to bite off a big political liability in the process. And it's not a political liability. In fact, there's huge opportunity politically, in addition to the outcomes for parents and, and families. But I think you guys have sort of been at the center of explaining that and then along the way demonstrating that with these huge blocks of parents that are voting for school choice. Yeah, look, the we are we have sort of a monopoly in terms of being the only group that's doing uh, political campaigns at the state level as a single issue school choice organization. And, you know, last year we targeted uh, 69 current office holders, you know, incumbents in these legislatures, and we beat 40 of them. Uh, they were wild. bad on the issue. I mean, vast majority of them were Republicans, as you said, because we really started saying, especially to a Republican audience and to these Republican lawmakers, look, this is in the party platform. Either we treat it as such yeah. uh, and on par with the like, you know, you know, rarely are going to hear a Republican out there saying, I want to raise in income taxes. You know, we started <laughs> right. treating this issue in that way. Again, then you mobilize parents with the message and you tell them X, Y and Z candidates, they want to support your right to control your child's education. They want to fund students, not the system. Hugely powerful message. We had an overall win rate across our roughly 370 races of about 76%. And, you know, we just had the Super Bowl yesterday to kind of give, uh, you know, the football analogy. It, it was like going into this cycle, we sort of in so many of these state legislators, uh, legislatures, we weren't even close to really having a field goal of trying to get legislation done. You know, we just didn't have the whip count. The votes weren't there. But gosh, you know, roughly eight or so states we flipped that situation where we had more than enough votes to pass what uh, parents were really demanding and begging. And then it just took legislative leadership along with governors to really say, we're putting this first on the docket, which so many of these governors are, you're hearing them, you know, we have at least, you know, 12 or so that I can remember uh, governors at their state of the state address, right? Yeah. Their state of the unions that all these governors do. Uh, most of them were mentioning this as a pretty big chunk of the speech too, that they want to get school choice done. Here are the exact specifics of how they were going to do it. And that was a sea change from, I think, previous years where many governors would say, well, get it to my desk and I'll sign it. Now they're leaning into it. They're really putting their shoulder to the wheel. Yeah, no, no, no. It's now more of a political liability to not pursue it <laughs> right. than it was to pursue it, which is a total 180 from where we were a few years ago. I'm interested in this time. You know, typically we've always focused, and I know that this is the most important part on children families getting outcomes, good education, everything else. And you've had this reluctance within not only teachers unions, but just teachers in general, because it feels like sort of a broadside attack. But anecdotally in states where this has happened, good teachers really like it. Good schools really like it for all the obvious reasons. But you've talked last time you were here and I, I learned a lot from it. And, and one of the things that is a huge benefit of this once enacted is that good Edu committed educators get just as much out of it as children do. Absolutely. I mean, it's rare that you find a teacher, especially when within the big bureaucratic district school system, there's, you know, they're really rarely excited about the prospects of their future career paths, right? right. Because the average teacher is gone in public schools after four years, which is 
you know, again, Super Bowl. I mean, that's the average lifespan of an NFL player, basically. Um, and the only way for career advancement is to say, hey, get out of the classroom and go into administration. The, situ- the system that we're talking about, which empowers parents to choose either a great school environment for their kid or to actually, frankly, build or go to great entrepreneurs who are building new schools, uh, suddenly great teachers go, wait a minute, I can engage in that system and I can be thriving and happy. I could make more money, uh, maybe educate less kids on a better schedule, more flexible, less of the crazy rules, regulations, testing regimes that the public schools are just you know, gumming up every single year. Uh, this is really going to be the golden era for great teachers. I firmly believe that. And two, you're already seeing in so many of these states a wave of education entrepreneurship. You know, mm-hmm. venture capital firms, when you talk to or look at some of their kind of public statements on this, they're actually bullish on education kind of technology for the first time in decades. Whereas before, the you know, they were trying to put technology into the old system and yeah. uh, boy, the old system didn't want it. Uh, the teachers union didn't want any sort of reform. So uh, electric pencil be- sharpeners, <laughs> what, what in the world? Not in my classroom. <laughs> That's right. So yeah, the next 10 years, it's just going to be staggering. we got a lot of great people building new kind of amazing schools and school types. Uh, micro schooling is taking off. And, you know, think about this, even in the homeschooling environment, um, and there's obviously blends of this micro schooling, kind of different neighborhood models emerging. You know, in the 70s, there was maybe 15,000 students homeschooling. You know, some estimates are putting it as much as 5 million students uh, are in a homeschooling environment or in this kind of blended micro school environment. So really exciting time and, and you know, lots of innovations happening. Yeah, I think that's the one thing that I never really understood until you came in and talked to us about is the ability for entrepreneurship within the education side. And, you know, obviously we're not talking about higher education and anything else that's competing for tax side. We're talking about, you know, high schools. We're talking about junior highs. And for people who believe that they can teach better than everyone else and they can administrate better, better than anyone else, it's now... There's an economic incentive for it, which, as we've seen with everything else in this country, then people really compete. That's right. And I think, too, the uh, the new kind of incentives also make it so that parents are actually able to kind of freely share information and knowledge about, hey, this is a great new school model that's just emergent. We're loving this, right? And whereas before, when you have this kind of one-size-fits-all system or one-size-fits-none system, rather, yeah. and everybody's mandated to go to a certain school based upon the arbitrary zip code lines or whatever, you're just not getting a functioning kind of marketplace of kind of ideas, but also just parents being able to say, this is the better you know school situation for our kid. Here's this new thing that emerged. Or, you know, and I've had so many parents in Texas and elsewhere just talking about that, where they're like, this new school model emerged. Arizona, even a lot of charter schools are starting to build new private schools uh, mm-hmm. out, out there because they see the opportunity for ESAs to really transform that marketplace. It's just so exciting. Parents, you know, now I think finally feel like they have a voice in education, whereas, hey, on a Tuesday or Thursday night, go yell at your school board members for two hours, get nothing done, get frustrated, get dejected. Now it's like, nope, I'm fully in control in all these different states that we've been talking about. Well, so I imagine you guys are full blast at AFC. I imagine that you've got projects everywhere now as a result of all this. So tell me, tell me, what are you focused on right now? Right now? I mean, it's the playoff season for us in terms of legislatures, you know, from you know, basically in January through June, most of these legislators are already getting going, already passing laws. We're trying to see that through. We've got teams on the ground, mobilizing parents. We're working at the capitals. Uh, and then we're kind of keeping an eye towards 2020, uh, 
three and four elections. You know, Virginia later this year, they've got the off-year elections. Uh, Governor Youngkin doesn't necessarily have the kind of full stack that he needs in the legislature to get something massive done, though he's already kind of pushing and advocating for a pretty good piece of uh, legislation. Uh, even the Louisiana governor's race could be really intriguing for school choice possibilities. And then, yeah, next election cycle, which will be a presidential election cycle, very intriguing because, you know, already the people that they're talking about as possible presidential candidates, especially on the Republican side, you know, every one of them is full-fledged, like, want school choice. There's a piece of federal legislation, um, Senator Cassidy and Tim Scott, they've got a great 50-state bill that would be, it's a tax code change, actually. So this is what's, you know, beautiful about that. It's a tax credit system where, you know, most people, if they donate to a local kind of scholarship organization uh, for lower income kids, rather than that just being a tax deduction, it would be a full on tax credit dollar for dollar. Mm. So uh, there's already uh, nearly two dozen states that have this sort of system at the state level. This essentially gives this a federal income tax incentive so that then all these scholarship groups in every single state would be able to qualify. So that's just going to be another piece of, th- uh, of an agenda here that's going to be talked about a lot. And we're going to be doing all of our election work into 2024, recruiting lots of candidates. Uh, and we need lots of good candidates to run. So if there are any listeners out there that want to find out more, you can find us on social media at School Choice Now. Get in touch with us. We'd love to be, uh, we'd love to be, you know, hear, about, give you the kind of the sense of what you should be talking about on the campaign trail, things like that. Yeah. Well, Tommy, I got to tell you, I talked to a lot of candidates last cycle who listened to the way that you explained School Choice that knew that they were in favor of it, but didn't like I didn't, you know, there were elements to it that were unclear to me, but the way that you explained it, they they made it a part of their platform, right? I mean, in federal, state, what have you, they just really sort of appreciated what the way that you guys had framed it up. So keep up the good work. If if our listeners want to figure out how to get involved and how to help out and, and know what's going on in their home state, where do they find you? Uh, website is federationforchildren.org. Uh, again, social media at School Choice Now. That's our handle across everything. Uh, a lot of people are probably already interacting with Corey DeAngelis on our team on Twitter. He's pretty prolific there. Uh, he's always putting out the, the latest and greatest stuff. Uh, we'd love to just have folks join the fight. So we appreciate you giving us the time today. Uh, since we last spoke too, Denise and I both, both had our first kiddos. So well, we're really invested in this and ourselves. We got to get it done. <laughs> it becomes personal in a hurry, doesn't it? Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Tommy, I can't thank you enough for doing this. Keep us updated along the way as you get candidates and you get important issues that are rising to the top. Anything that we can do to help, more than happy to do it. Thanks so much for having me. We'll talk soon. Take care. Um. So this, look, it's so refreshing to have an issue that we all care about, but then somebody who's so deeply competent mm-hmm. and able to help effectuate and get get resources to the right places and information to the right places. When we did that deep dive with Tommy two years ago, I had at least three candidates running for Senate ask if they can get more information from Tommy about how to formulate their views on, yeah. fantastic. on school choice. And so, I mean... <clears throat> Just having an anchor out there on an issue that important is just awesome. Well, we're just at this really interesting inflection point, I think, on the issue, you know, because everybody saw what these schools did to our kids during COVID. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I just think the momentum is there to make real lasting changes in a lot of these states. And thankfully, in a lot of these places, we've got state legislatures and governors who are willing to take the political risk to do something like this. Yeah. I mean, Kim Reynolds did it. I, I think this is the time. This is the moment. I think we can get it done. 
I do too. The, the most important thing that I thought about to, to just explain how effective he's been and his organization has been is that a bunch of Repu- nobody disagreed with school choice, but a bunch of Republicans for the last 30 years have thought this is the thing that I'm going to end up cashing all my political capital on and not being able to do anything because it's a general election liability for me. I, I do. I really want to f- pick a fight with the largest union in my state. Like, it, it, can I do this? It is now framed within the confines of Republican uh, politics as a massive liability if you don't do it. Yep. People and will primary your ass if they don't think you're being serious. And about I think Duncan choice. is 100 percent right. Like COVID, the distance learning was so eye-opening to parents where they're like, "This is the garbage they're teaching my kid." Right. Parent, like so many parents are now on board with it. Yep. Yep. See change. All right, fellas. I think we got her done. I think we did. Absolute banger of an episode, if I may say so myself, gentlemen. Thank you so much for Tom coming on the show, explaining that to our folks. And thank you so much to our listeners. So until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Thursday. Stay ruthless. <laughs>